You're listening to the Podcast Collection from the OIAA. This is Terry Doherty. On today's episode of the Podcast Collection, we have Desmond Taljard of Xpera Investigations. Uh, Desmond's a really insightful guy. I love talking to him. And uh, guys, sit back, relax, enjoy this podcast. You're going to love it. And uh, we're going to do a follow-up with him uh, next month with regards to fire investigation as well. So if you guys like this podcast, you're going to really love the fire investigation one as well. Thanks. So uh, welcome, everybody. It's Terry Doherty, and uh, I have Desmond Taljard from uh, Xperia Investigations on with me today. Thank you, Desmond, for taking time out of your day to chat with me. Well, good day, everyone. Thank you very much for having me. It's an absolute privilege to be with you. So, Desmond, uh, I I know you quite well, and that's not... uh, a secret, but before uh, we get into things uh, and you know discuss what we're going to discuss today, can you tell everybody a little bit about your background? I know we had a great discussion with you at the TIAA uh, prior, and uh, we kind of got some you know information about you. But if you could be so kind as to tell everybody, you know uh, where you're from, and you know you've got a, a really cool accent, but tell everybody a little bit about your background. That'd be awesome. Oh, okay, fantastic. Yes. Uh, so, um, yeah, we, as you say, no secret, we we do uh, we do do know each other, and um, pretty involved in uh, in the insurance industry uh, here in Canada, uh, particularly Ontario. But my background is I come from a policing background. So, I, I'm a former police officer. Um, I ended my career as a detective. Um, so. You know, started off, uh, I suppose, as any normal police officer doing patrol and uh, doing those usual duties and then moved up and, uh, uh, you know, went uh, went to college and, and did some, you know, did my police exams and uh, got to the rank of an inspector. Uh, so I ended my career as a police officer in South Africa as a detective inspector, came to Canada 20 years ago this year, and um, I have been exclusively in this industry, uh, in the private investigation uh, industry, with 90% of my focus being uh, in in the insurance field. So uh, that's just a very brief background. So you were never a police officer here in Canada, just in South Africa? That's correct, yes, yes. I came, uh, like I said, I came here uh, over 20 years ago, and uh, uh, just due to how I came, I was first just a uh, a landed uh, a landed residence, and you couldn't join police forces without having a citizenship and, and so on. And so I got into this, and I just found it so fascinating and so interesting, and so similar to what I was doing as a detective. Um, that uh, you know, at that point in my life, in my career, I just uh, I, I chose to stay uh, in this field. Well, okay. Well, that's uh, that's interesting. And again, I I kind of know. A little bit more than you know the average person when we're talking about you, but just for everybody, I just wanted them to kind of get an understanding that you do have uh, a very extensive background in investigations. You know, so you can talk as an authority when we're talking about investigations. You'd agree? Uh, yeah, I'd like to think so. Uh, like I said, for the last twenty years, exclusively in the private uh, industry and in the insurance, uh, dealing with fraudulent claims and uh, investigations where there's red flags, which is what we'd be talking about a little bit today, I believe. Um, and so just on my experience, what I've dealt with in the last 20 years, and, and then, you know, that just um, fed on my previous experience as a police officer, as a detective, you know, really in-depth uh, homicide investigations, um, which I was part of. And, and, and so it was just a natural transition to, you know, looking in-depth uh, into fraud investigations and, and uh, you know, what we're going to be talking about today. So, uh, yeah. 
Well, let's get into it then. Let's talk about claims investigation as it relates to deception, fraud, and red flags, right? And some tips for the adjusters. So, you know, um, when you talk about uh, investigations and when they come to, you know, Xperia or any investigator, what's the first thing you guys do? What do you, you know, kind of take us, break it down for us? Right. So I, I'd first like to say, you know, typically by the time it comes to us, Terry, um, it, there's normally the adjuster, especially with the experienced adjusters, uh, by the time it comes to us to take a look at it, they've already recognized that there's red flags. Um, and now they're looking, uh, you know, to, to look a bit deeper um, into certain aspects um, of the claim. And um, so, again, by the time it comes to us, there's already red flags that have been raised. And so it's my job when, it, when, when uh, an adjuster uh, calls and, you know, presents a file to us or a situation, um, I will, you know, touch on certain aspects and ask questions to see if there's further red flags. Um, and that helps me then to decide on what course I'm going to take. And so having an experienced adjuster, which is most of the case, uh, you know, there's, most adjusters uh, are experienced in what they do. Um, they recognize those flags and they come to us. And so, um, you know, fraud is a problem. I mean, it, insurance fraud is a problem. I don't need to go into the stats. I could sit here now and say, according to this study and that study or to the latest uh, article, it's so many billions. It's a problem. It exists. It's there. And um, simply what I want to talk about today and, and answer some questions is around about, okay, so, um, you know, what are these flags? You know, what, what, what are you looking at, Desmond, when we're looking at a claim? Do we look at every single claim? Well, no, we don't. You know, there's, there's red flags. And, and, and just because there's red flags, Terry, doesn't mean that necessarily that it's fraudulent. You know, it's, it, it could be a legitimate claim with red flags. And that's my job is to say, okay, there's some red flags, let's take a, let's take a deeper look at this and see if those red flags are le legitimate uh, red flags or, uh, you know, is there some underlying fraud going on here? Okay, so can you give me an example of some red flags that you guys see or that are presented to you as part of your uh, initial review? Yeah, so, uh, so, so, so look at, you know, where, where, where does this fraud exist when it comes to insurance, right? So, I mean, most prevalent you'll find... Uh, fraud in property lines, you know, whether it's, you know, arson, uh, false property losses, um, injury claims through accident benefits or fake third party claims, uh, or even in, in some false uh, underwriting disclosures. So that's typically where it's most prevalent when we're looking at fraud, okay? Um, and, you know, it can be as simple as padding or inflating um, amounts, you know, in, in, in uh, a claim. Um, so, you know, you, you've been legitimately broken into, um, your house has been burgled, and instead of your, you know, lower level hi-fi being stolen, you now claim that you've got, you know, the uh, Marantz top-of-the-line um, item that's been stolen. So, it, it can be simple as just padding um, those, uh, those claims that come in. Um, or it can be as complex as staging accidents, which we've seen a lot of here in Ontario uh, with vehicles, um, with organized crime, right? So, um, you know, there's two different types of fraud that we typically look at, Terry. The first one is the opportunistic uh, or the soft fraud is what we call it, right? Um, and then the second one, of course, is the planned, the hard uh, crime, um, which I just alluded to when it comes to stage accidents. Um, and in those two different types uh, of, of, of situations, you have 
who, who, who are the offenders? You know, you, you have the average offender, you have the criminal offender, and then you have the organized crime offender. So there's three levels there. Um, whereas the average offender is seen as that generally law-abiding citizen, um, who again, who genuinely his, his vehicle was broken into, his house was burgled, but all of a sudden there's an opportunity there, right, um, to to pad that. And so the average offender in insurance is is, is, is law-abiding, um, but all of a sudden he's yielded to that sudden temptation. Uh, there's an opportunistic, uh, you know, component to it. Um, or he's just seeking escape from some form of financial hardship. He's a little bit in debt, um, got in over his head or her head, and, and all of a sudden this this, this situation presents itself um, with a, a soft target to 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 pad uh, some insurance claims. Uh, then you get the criminal offender who's just a career criminal. Though. He's the guy out there um, who who's who's uh, over his life. Uh, he's probably been um, uh, he's got a couple of charges already against him or convictions. Uh, street level crimes, uh, you know, maybe he's broken into a car or two, uh, but generally nonviolent and, and and tend to have property based uh, and, and uh, property and paper based uh, claims uh, coming in. And then, of course, you get the organized crime offender, right? The third type. Uh, he's the career criminal um, where he's really involved in major complex fraud with 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 tow, towing vehicles and healthcare workers and that kind of thing. So, um, so you know, now that we've looked at that. Um, Terry, um, I'll get straight into some of the red flags that, that we see when it comes to these uh, various types uh, of, of fraud that can be um, committed against insurance companies. Perfect. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so, but what I want to say is these red flags, they should never be used as a legal basis for denying a claim. So, you know, I'm going to give you some red flags and, and then you're going to say, well, hey, well, there's one, I've seen that red flag, let's deny the claim. And I'm like, no, 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 we, we're not going to do that. Um, and you've, you've been to my presentation with um, verbal and nonverbal deception. It's the same thing. You might see signs of verbal deception or nonverbal deception when speaking with a claimant or a witness. Um, and it doesn't mean if you see one of those signs, uh, it's all deception. No, no. We, you, the, the, it's kind of a disclaimer. You look at a whole bunch of things together, and then you look at the evidence. So, you know, just the fact that there's a red flag there, Terry, I, that's not a legal basis for denying a claim. Um, you, you know, you've got to deny the claim based on actual evidence, uh, the facts and the law. So that's when it comes to us, um, when there's a red flag and we look at it and we do an in-depth investigation, um, you know, get, get the paperwork, go down to the, the scrapyard, look at the vehicle, take photographs. At the end of all that, um, that's the basis that you deny a claim, not just on the red flags um, that we're going to talk about. So, because uh, again, many of the red flags, there's this perfectly legitimate reason um, for a red flag. And um, that and that that'll take me right into the first one, uh, and I'll and, and and I'll explain why not every red flag um, is 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 a sign of fraud. So the first and the first red flag that we have, Terry, when um, there's something not right in a claim, is when the insured or the claimant is unusually knowledgeable about insurance terminology and the whole process of the claim settlement um, uh, procedure. Uh, you know that's a red flag when your claimant's telling you what should be done next, and, and he's using he's using terms that the layman uh, wouldn't be using, right? That that's a red flag. But then now look at someone like me. Um, you know I've been in the industry for 20 years. I'm very familiar with the claims process and with the terminology, um, and I've had um, you know uh, claims for water damage to my to my home. I had one now over the winter. Um, so when I called up my claim uh, my insurance company uh, to talk about the water damage. 
very knowledgeable about how it works and even right down to who, the, who they were going to dispatch uh, from the restoration company. So there's a red flag, but is it legitimate? Yeah, because I'm in the industry, right? So that's your first red flag um, is when you're dealing with a claimant that is very knowledgeable. Um, Terry, I'm sure with your experience and your background, you've come across a couple of those, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I usually get them to qualify why they're so knowledgeable. So, you know, oh, you know, my brother-in-law's in the industry or I'm actually in the industry or I'm somehow peripherally in the industry or just the fact that I just had a prior claim and I know what I'm talking about. So, you know, exactly. Uh, exactly. there's there's so many ways to, to kind of flesh that one out. I agree. Right. But when they say, no, I have no idea, I have nothing to do with the industry and no, this is my first claim, then... That usually that that raises some additional questions for sure, you know. Them using insurance technology or, or insurance techno terminology or lingo, that that is always a concern for me, uh, right, right off the bat, right? Like you know, yep. they start talking about you know I've got to get a proof of loss or you know I, I this or that. It, it you just like huh? Where would you have found that knowledge? Because we do use a lot of acronyms, and when they right. start using those acronyms, that that sends up my spidey senses for sure. Exactly, exactly. And uh, but again, you, you, you like you said, you qualify, right? Well, how, you know, how do you know all that? And well, you know, I'm in the industry, and you know, I'm a private investigator, and my clients are, are typically, um, uh, you know, insurance justice. And so, the next red flag, Terry, that 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 I see um, that gets raised is when the claimant or the insured is pushing for a very quick settlement. They're willing to compromise. They they wanted an advanced payment of some sort. Um, or they're even ready to accept a smaller settlement, um, you know, rather than documenting the whole loss and going through the whole procedures, you know. So when you're looking at that, um, a, again, I've been a claimant. My vehicle was broken into, and, and you know, I, I want to make sure that I do everything right and, and, and that I get, you know, what uh, what's owing to me. Not owing to me, but, but what, what legitimately I can claim for. Um, so when you get an, a claimant really pushing, um, let's get the, let's let's get through this quickly. You know, I, I just want this. I want my money. I want to get it done quickly. Um, look, if you, uh, I, I don't need the speakers. Just get me the actual the, the turntable of that Marantz uh, Hi-Fi component, right? So, there, there's a red flag for me. You know, when they when when they're pushing for those for that, and uh, and they can become very forceful in that as well. So, you know, that's another red flag. Uh, part of that is when it, when they start becoming forceful, and I've seen it. Um, even from an investigation side, dealing with the claimant, when you you pick up the phone and say, "Hey, we you know we'd like you, we know you have a claim. We just have a few questions." Um, and the first thing they say was, "Well, I've had this claiming for three days, and why are you only calling me now? Um, I want this done now." And right away, that's a red flag to me. And um, you know why? You know why are you threatening me? You know are they are they making complaints above your head? Uh, the adjuster's head or the gang above your head to complain about the time this is taking? Uh, red flag. Um, typically, most you know, claimants insured when they've suffered a loss, they know there's a process um, and they're willing to, you know, work through that with you and they're willing to take the time to do it properly. Um, another red flag, um, you, you find that the losses are incompatible with the insured's residence or his occupation or their income. Um, as you know, the process, uh, you know, we look at all those things when we're looking at a claim and, and, and all of a sudden, we see that this person has got a Rolex watch and they're still in, uni in university. Now, we could qualify that. It could be a gift um, you know, from, from someone. But we qualify that. But typically speaking, I'm just using that in the broader sense. If all of a sudden, you know, those losses that you're looking at 
it just it's not making sense with the, the the type of insured or you know where they live or, or you know they they've got a, a yacht but they're living in a bad part of town kind of thing right so common sense but you know it's still you know it's it's, it's a red flag for sure um, lifestyle right exactly exactly which you know leads to technology which I'm not going to really touch on today but I mean we into our technology social media that's really one of the tools that we now use in the investigative process it's, it's really been invaluable to us yeah um, especially over the last uh, few years or so where it's you know people really post things on Instagram and Facebook and they just can't help it right so that's uh, that's a place where you can you know it's a tool that we use another red flag there Terry is the habitual claimant you know um, and I've seen these you know you, you look at the claims history and you know it's like clockwork um, every few years or every few months you get some kind of a claim coming in it's a red flag you know you know like I said I've been here now in Canada for 20 years uh, I've, I've had three claims over 20 years um, and you know some claimants that come through when that we're looking at will have that in a year um, as, a, as an example so you know it just depends but again there's qualifying things to that right not necessarily that there's fraud going on there because the person might live in a place where there's a lot of vehicle theft or there's a lot of water damage or a lot of flooding for instance um, which is a whole different story but but I'm just saying you know you you, you qualify and you look at you, there's ways to, to, to look past that um, Terry does does your claimant have an unorthodox address is he dealing with you with a post office box only, a mail drop? Um, you know, he, he doesn't have a fixed. When you ask for that address, well, you know, I, I don't. I move every so often. I don't really have one right now. Um, I have a room with a friend. Uh, you know, red flag. It, it's it's a red flag when your claimant uh, who's got an insurance policy can't come to you and say, "This is my address. I've lived there for X amount of time." And if, you know, even if they just moved there, you know, I've lived the previous one for five years or six years. Um, but that unorthodox address, most certainly um, a red flag for me when I'm looking at it. Uh, even, you know, trying to, you know, find people when they've made a claim to, to take a statement or do an interview um, and, and you can't get hold of that person because it's a mailbox, um, you know, red flag, uh, definitely red flag. And which leads on to the next red flag is, you know, we've tried to get hold of claimants to, to discuss certain things and just elusive, unavailable voicemail. You know, goes to goes to the cell phone, um, and we really struggle to 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 get hold of the person to get additional details or to set up an appointment to see them or to to get receipts uh, or things along those lines. You know, again, your typical claimant um, have a claim. It's water damage. This is where I live. Here's my cell phone. Here's my home number. Here's my work number. And you know, we get hold of we we get hold of them very easily. Um, when you're struggling, red flag. Um, that we look at screening all their calls basically yeah exactly and making just making things difficult making the whole process difficult for us to to look uh, deeper into it hoping um in my mind that the insurance company will say well you know what this this one's not worth it there's some red flags here but let's let's just move along with this one because i've got a pile of claims on my desk and i want to get through this right so um it's it's that's part of the reasoning um that they do that um showing signs of Financial distress. Um, you know, what does that mean? You know, is 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 your claimant really in bad debt? You know, um, you know, credit card debt. Um, you know, and, and uh, pushing for that payment. And they sometimes they'll just say, "Well, I, I need this pay because I've got my my next mortgage payment is is due, and I don't have money, and I don't have money in the bank." 
you know, that's just, uh, if someone's financially under the crunch, it's typically also can be a red flag when you're looking at a claim um, uh, to, and giving you a reason to look at just a little bit, again, to look deeper. Now, a lot of people are in financial distress, a lot, you know, that's just a sign of our times today. And it doesn't necessarily mean that there's fraud, but it's definitely something to qualify and something, you know, that just a bit of a red flag there for us. Um, so what's going on? And we, we talked about lifestyle, you know, a few minutes ago. What's going on at that time? Has has the claimant just, you know, lost their job? Um, you know, are they going through a separation right now? Um, you know, what's 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 going on? Uh, and again, that's where some of the tools that we have at our disposal these days, uh, you know, really help us as well. But you know, if if you if you if you look at that and um, this the claimants, you know, recently lost their job or red flag for me, you know, it's. Uh, Especially if it's you know other flags that are that are being raised at the time. Um, again, if you know I talked about these, we talked about if there's signs of deception. If there's just one sign, they, you can't sit back and say, well, this person's deceiving me because I've got one of these signs of deception. Again, it's the same as these red flags. But when you see a whole cluster, and I like to call them clusters um, of red flags, again, it's 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 worth looking at. And I started off the conversation by saying that most claims are le legitimate, which they are, um, and that, you know, we approach these, Terry, uh, as all claims are legitimate um, until we start seeing these red flags. And when you see one, two, three, again, we're not going to deny the claim, but we're going to now take a, you know, take, take, take a better look at it, right? Because, um, like I said in the beginning, there's fraud out there. It exists. It's in, you know, there's, it's there. There's criminal. There's three different types, uh, as we discussed earlier. It's, it's, it's there, and, and there's a duty on all of us to, you know, we all pay these premiums, and and, and we need to, you know, do as much as we can uh, to to follow up where we see uh, these red flags or there's maybe a sign um, of something going on there. So, you know, that was just a few red flags talking about the insured um, or the claimant themselves. Um, Terry, there's, there's also, you know, there's also a few red flags when it comes to the actually the actual policy. Um, you know, is is the claim that just come in? So here's a red flag that the claim that just came in is it a new policy? Um, you know, the, the the coverage only began, you know, one or two months prior to or, the last, or four days uh, prior. Four <laughs> days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I suppose the the, the tighter the, the the tighter the squeeze on that, you know, the 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 redder the flag. Um, but yeah, um, so that's that's a policy red flag, you know. You know, where we the previous ones were on the insurer, the claimant themselves um, was, you know, is, is the claim be made just before the end of coverage? So the coverage of uh, the policy is coming to an end, and all of a sudden there's a claim now just before this uh, the coverage on that particular policy comes to comes to an end, um, you know. Or you know, is there a claim being made even before the application is received? You know, those those are just a few of the policy red flags that we that we need to look at as well. And they happen, uh, right? That legitimately and non-legitimately, those do happen. Yes. Right. I, 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 exactly. Exactly. Now, you know, sometimes very coincidental, and um, but you know what? When that does happen, certainly it's a red flag, and you know, and all of a sudden you see a bunch of other ones. That's when we take a second look. Um, and, you know, you, you just want to look a little bit deeper. And that's when you start looking a little bit deeper, Terry, um, is, is, is where, you know, the experience of someone who does, you know, interviewing and, 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 and deception detecting, I suppose, for a living, 
that's when that starts coming in very, very useful. Um, like I said, so, you know, once you've seen, you know, a whole lot of these different red flags and, you know, before I go on on that, on that vein, I mean, there's, there's, and we, if we've got time, we can touch on these as well, but there's, there's uh, red flags. I gave you some general ones in general, but there's very specific general uh, uh, red flags when it comes to, you know, auto or property damage. Um, what are the indicators? What are the red flags when it comes to that um, or the accident itself? Um, you know, what are the red flags? And we talked about some, you know, organized setups of accidents, and I have a whole lot of red flags on those. If we've got time, we'll touch on those. But what I was saying is <clears throat> when we see these red flags, and the adjuster, the experienced adjuster says, you know what, let's, you know, we, we, we've got a cluster of these red flags. Uh, I think we need to take a, a deeper look um, and, you know, interview the person or, you know, we get some more paperwork, yes, some receipts for some of the losses, um, that kind of thing. And so when, when I'm sitting down with someone and, and, and looking at this, that's when the other deception red flags and, and signs of deception really become useful. Um, so when I'm asking about um, a date of loss, for instance, and the way that person or the claimant answers me, then further cements in my mind, and I have further, you know, clusters to look at whether this is a deceptive person sitting in front of me, along with the red flags that already led him to my doorstep. Um, but that's a whole presentation. Um, on its own. <laughs> well, that's um, another that, day that, then. We'll we'll cover that one off on another day on its own then. Exactly, exactly. So I, I mean, but if if we've got time, I'll touch on a couple of just the uh, let's let, let's look at auto property damage indicators. Yeah, let's um, let's do that for sure. Yeah. So so let's look at a vehicle. Well, what 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 are the red flags when it comes to the purchase of a vehicle? Um, you know. Well, the first one is the vehicle's purchased from an insurance company, <laughs> from a salvage yard or a body shop, or to a repair shop, um, or an individual, you know, with a history of claims. Um, you know, is that where the vehicle comes from? Is that so? When I'm looking at where did you purchase this vehicle, and any of those things come up, it's a red flag to me. You know, it's and again, could be legitimate because some people do that, but it's a red flag. It's something. This is out of the. This is out of. This is typically what we find. Uh, in fraudulent, when fraud is uncovered, a lot of the times this is where they're coming from. This is where the vehicles are coming from. You know, is the vehicle a recent purchase? You know, we we, we just had that conversation now um, on on the policy red flag. You know, how long have you had the policy before the first claim is made? It's the same as you know, just I've just I've just purchased this vehicle and two days later it's stolen. Um, so you know, a recent vehicle purchase um, and it's now you know, suffered a loss. That's a red flag to me. Um, Another big red flag is uh, when you start talking about the purchase and the information is vague um, or even unknown. And I've sat in front of people and, and I've asked those questions. You know, who did you buy the vehicle from? I couldn't remember the guy's name even. Bought it off Kijiji. Um, you know, and um, just, just the information wasn't making sense at the time. So it was a red flag for me. Um, you know, the seller lives out of the province, you know, bought the vehicle in Quebec. Um, Paid cash. You know, and yeah, that's that's another great uh, no bill of sale, right? Yeah. It was a cash sale, no bill of sale, red flag, um, out of province vehicle, um, uh, you know, red flags in the purchase of a vehicle. Um, he has another one, you know. So you, you, the vehicle, it's an older, inexpensive vehicle, you know, nineteen ninety eight Honda Civic, <laughs> um, but all of a sudden, 
It's got a Marantz, um, you know, touchscreen, you know, DVD, CD player worth more than the vehicle. Um, and that's sitting in there. Um, you, you know what? That, that, that's a red flag. Um, the ownership of the vehicle, you know, it's a rebuilt vehicle. You know, a lot of vehicles are rebuilt, but it's a red flag because that's a lot of the times when we discover fraud, um, it's, it comes out of a rebuilt vehicle. Um, and for people that don't, so Desmond, uh, some yep. people aren't going to know what rebuilt means. So it's it's all in the branding of the vehicle. So you know your vehicle can be branded as fit, unfit, salvage, right. and rebuilt. Just so everybody understands right. that, right? So and and fit is the vehicle's fine, no problems. Unfit yep. is it's not fit for the road. Salvage is right. basically it's going to be pieced out, and then rebuilt is it was salvage. They've rebuilt it in its past inspection by the MTO, and they've branded it as rebuilt, so it's it's fit for the road, but was a rebuild. Correct? Correct. Okay. Correct. And lots of different parts coming from different vehicles, right? So it makes it difficult to. Yep. Yeah. It makes it difficult to track down, you know, track down those different components and parts where it came from. Um, yeah, red flag. Um, vehicle seems out of the insured's economic bracket, uh, and I'll give you a real example of this one. Um, is uh, we, we had a student um, uh, in Ottawa at one of our universities, and uh, he had bought an Audi A7. Wow. And uh, it, wow. was, it was a new vehicle. He was a student. He didn't have a full-time job. And uh, what had happened was the, the vehicle was vandalized. Now, the vehicle was vandalized to a point. We're not talking about someone keyed the side door. I'm not talking about someone, you know, flattened the wheels. Uh, Terry... This vehicle was beyond repair. I went down there, I took photographs of this vehicle um, and dozens of photographs because not one panel, not one part of that vehicle was untouched. Every single tire uh, was punctured with a knife. Every single outside panel was, was scratched with a, a screwdriver. Um, every single lens, every single window, every single light was smashed out in that vehicle. Then you got into the vehicle. Every single leather seat had a box cutter taken to it. The dashboard had a box cutter taken to it. Someone, I looked at that and just taking the photographs was wearing me out. Um, so someone who had done that damage, which was supposedly outside a complex, uh, a condo, um, would have spent, in my estimation, would have taken at least 30 minutes to do that damage. We're not talking about someone who walked past a car and keyed it. So this was unsalvageable. It was a complete write-off. So huge red flag, which obviously came to us. So not only was the red flag of how, you know, extensive the vandalism was, um, but also when, I, when you looked, the second red flag was, you know, this is, a, you know, he, he bought this car. He didn't have it long. That was the other red flag that existed in this case, Terry. He only had the car a couple months. It was way out of his, you know, his, his, his means. And the vehicle was so damaged um, that it could not be resold. It couldn't be repaired with, a, you know, the 400 deductible and a thousand dollar paint job. Um, this vehicle was was a write off. It was going to cost more than the vehicle to repair that. So there we had, there we had three red flags um, right off the bat. So no, can um, you tell me a little bit like where do you go with that? So just for the listening audience, where would you go with that? What's the first thing you're going to do? So the first thing we do is like I went down and I documented the actual like I, I took I took my camera. I went to the yard, I went to the salvage yard, and I documented uh, the vehicle. Every single um, p 
piece of damage, I made sure that I had a record of that, the extent of that damage. And, um, sorry, and I don't yep. mean to cut you off. You're doing that different from an appraiser because the appraiser is just looking to get an economic value on the vehicle. You're doing that hey. to look at different reasoning than what an appraiser is doing it. So there is some benefit to having you as an investigator go and physically see it as opposed to look at a report. Well, and that's exactly right, because what I'm looking at is I, I'm, I'm, at that point, I'm not looking at the, at the amount of the damage. I'm looking at the amount of time, um, you know, what was the likelihood of this happening, you know, at a condo um, and no one witnessed it. Um, you know, there was no witnesses to it and, and, and it took a substantial amount of time. I'm looking for other clues um, around the vehicle that I can that I can find. Um, you know, was someone injured? I mean, the, this guy was using box cutters, um, you know, throughout the vehicle cutting up the leather you know did he did he nick himself did he did he bleed out was there some blood on him which then leads to when i eventually meet with the claimant face to face because i want to take his statement and ask him a lot of questions um as quickly as possible does he have any nicks on his fingers on his hands on his arm um and if he does i'll ask him about that and where did he get it and did he seek treatment and how did it happen um so you start asking those deeper questions so by looking Physically at the vehicle, um, it opens up all sorts of different questions instead of just saying, okay, well, the damage is X amount. And, you know, when you look at the vehicle and you see it, it, it just gives you a whole different understanding. And, and so then the second piece of that is I go and look at actually where this supposedly took place. And I see there's all these balconies directly overlooking the parking space that belong to the student. And I start asking myself, well, what's the likelihood that no one, because you were smashing out windows. We're smashing out taillights. Um, there's a lot of noise that's going to come from that. Um, you know, why did the alarm of the vehicle didn't go off? I mean, it was a, it, it, it was a three-month-old Audi A7, and no alarm went off when you were smashing the windows, which would have got the attention of people around. Um, so those are the benefits of, 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 you know, when you're actually looking at the scene, Terry, and you're going out there and, and you're looking firsthand at what's going on, because, again, all these questions – uh, lead up to the next. And of Absolutely. Course, and everybody's an amateur yeah. reporter now. So everybody has their camera on them at all times or their phone that has a camera right. in it, right? So everybody's an amateur reporter. It's amazing how many people have footage of stuff they sometimes don't even know they have or they've taken right. it and they're just looking, waiting for somebody to come and talk to them about it. I mean, door knocks, right. those kind of things, right? That's what you're going at. That's what I'm going at. And that's what I did. Uh, I went to knock on every one of those doors with the balconies overlook um, that exact parking lot. And, you know, again, it's it, one thing if you're down in, 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 in uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Ottawa, but we've got the Bywood Market down here yep. where there's lots of restaurants. So that happens down there. Um, it's one thing when an alarm goes off and a window smashed. Um, but when it's outside a condo, when you have a, com a group community that are all in it together and all of a sudden there's a car alarm going off or there's windows being smashed outside, uh, you you tend to go and have a look because that could be your car, that could be your neighbor, that could be your guest that's visiting you. So the likelihood that that went on and no one saw it or no one reported it is very, very unlikely, which then led to my next uh, piece. So when I went to look at the, the, the actual parking space where this supposedly happened, well, there's no glass, there's, there's no tail lenses, there's no sign that it happened there, which again corroborates with the people, you know, that we went and knocked on the doors. No one heard anything. No one saw anything. And now there's not even a, a scrap of glass um, out of where every single window was smashed out and every lens was smashed out. So, you know, it, it, it's those kinds of things, right, that... Uh, 
that so benefit you. So, so yep. I, I always say absence of evidence is evidence itself. Right? Yeah. So there's nothing yeah. there. That tells a story as well, right? So, I mean, just for those people that, that are listening to this and kind of just hearing this for the first time, just because there's nothing there doesn't mean nothing happened. It means it didn't happen where he said it happened or how it happened, right? Like that's, right, right. right you know? Right. So just for the people that are new to the adjusting and stuff or hearing this kind of for the first time, I mean, I and I refer to this, and I learned this a long time ago. Somebody told me when I first started in investigations that absence of evidence is evidence, and evidence speaks for itself. Exactly. And, and there's such a, it's like a house of cards, Terry, when you're looking at evidence, because so, you know, in this particular case, when I asked about that, I asked the claimant about the absence of glass um, all around the parking space. Um, he obviously didn't want to commit to say he cleaned it up because then he'd have to you know, prove that or when did you clean it up? So he, he then said, well, the condominium must have cleaned it up. Well, that's great because, you know, I went to see the building manager <laughs> and I went back to the building manager about the damp, you know, all the, the tons of glass that must have been around there and when was it cleaned up? It was never reported to him. Uh, there was never any damage cleaned. Um, and again, there was a ground level condo right by the parking space that, that's assigned. Uh, they have assigned parking spaces, so it wasn't that this person could park anywhere, Terry. He had hit, it was numbered, and that was his parking space. So when I went to the ground level apartment um, right outside his parking space, again, they the next morning they uh, when I asked him about that specific date, there was never any debris on the ground, never any glass on the ground, and then there was no no follow up of anyone cleaning it up afterwards. So, you, you know, at, let's just say I asked that question, and he said, "Well, the condo must have cleaned it up." And then I went to see the manager, and he said, "Oh yeah, absolutely, it was a total mess. We had to get a third party in here to come and clean up all the glass because it was." Oh, okay, great, right? Um, but that's my point of this, this 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 whole discussion is okay. These red flags it may be legitimate, but you know look further, look deeper, ask those questions. And in this case, there was no sign of debris. There was no cleanup, um, and there was no debris. So just like you said, in the absence in the absence of evidence, correct. So so, so those are some of the uh, indicators for the vehicle itself. Yes, Terry. So I was going to say you basically clarify and then verify one way or the other, right? So clarify those those questionable issues and then verify them one way or another exactly and then you put in yep and i was going to say you put them on one side of the ledger or the other so they're verified as true or they're verified as untrue that's correct okay absolutely yeah um if you want to if, you, if you've got some time um we can look at some of you know accident red flags well yeah i'd love to and, and and a reason i want to do that as well is because we i mean that's a big piece of the pie here in ontario as we all know i mean is staged oh, right. accidents yep. and questionable accidents with uh with body shops and tow truck drivers and doctors and lawyers and everything and and those ones are the big ticket items because we have legislation that is so forceful that requires the insurance industry industry to act and start making payments so quickly that it's you've you got to be on top of it and you got to be doing your due diligence so let's talk about those because those are big ones those are big money yeah. items. exactly exactly so um so did, did the loss or the vehicle uh, accident occur um and there was it was a single vehicle accident or a phantom vehicle uh there was a red Honda Civic that swerved in front of me. 
Um, it, and you know, there's, there's, and and again, so it's a single accident. There's a phantom vehicle that can't be traced. Um, but then there are unexplained or vague reasons for that. You know, um, well, you know, how did you manage just to, you know, roll the vehicle on this stretch of straight road? And and there's no, you know, real good reasoning. I mean, I can, uh, you know. Uh, as a police officer, I was called to many, many uh, accidents, and almost always, if there were, you know, it's you know, it's either intoxication or there's some reason for it. Uh, there was a deer, but there, there, the deer was struck, and there's there's the deer lying there. But but if it's, if, it, if it's unexplained or it's vague of how this happened, it's a red flag for me um, when it comes to uh, a vehicle uh, accident. Um, the police are not called out. Uh, Terry, again, I was a police officer. You know, I had to come out a lot of times, and it's a fender bender. You know, someone, you know, they pulled away from a they, they pulled away from a traffic light and then stopped for some reason because there was a cyclist that caught their eye. Vehicle behind wasn't paying attention. You know, very slight bump into the back, and they they still call us. Um, not even a scratch on the vehicles, but no, 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 we're calling the police because we, you know, I don't know what's going to go on here. Uh, don't know what's going to happen with this. So all of a sudden you've got a major accident or you know, the vehicle is there's a significant loss to a vehicle and the police were never summoned. Well, why not? There's no police report. Um, you know, and then if there's two drivers involved, they both give the exact identical version of the accident. Again, uh, Terry, again, but my, my background as a police officer always, I've, I've gone to a scene of an assault where it's like a bar room type brawl and there's 10 witnesses to get all 10 witnesses to set, to see the exact same thing is almost unheard of. Everyone sees something slightly different. And, and we account for that when we are taking statements and when I'm doing interviews, because you see it from your vantage point, you see it from your opinion that you have or your bias. So when you've got an accident where all of a sudden there's no police called out to the scene, there's no police report. You've got two drivers that are saying exactly the same thing. It's a red flag. Definitely a red flag there. Um, look at that carefully. Yeah, I had one. I, I was going to say, yeah. I had one recent where, where they used a word that was such an obscure word um, that they both used it that it drew my attention that they had spoken. Right. Right? Right. I mean... Yeah. It, just a, a, an unusual word when you were talking about it was just in a on a on a matter but I and I won't bring it up I just just draw that think about those things that these people aren't meant to know each other and they're using terminology again uh, or words that are outside the realm of what you would normally hear and then they both use it in the same context again that should right. tell you something right I mean yeah like a practice do they get together beforehand and practice yeah do they go over these things before you got that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a very good point there. Um, and again, you know, ex experienced adjusters, um, you know, you know the red flags. I mean, uh, you know, I'm giving you a full list here because um, sometimes we do have some new adjusters, I'm sure, and, and new, to, new to it. And uh, uh, all of a sudden, you know, something I might be saying today might, uh, might draw their attention and say, hey, you know what, that's a good point. I'm going to look for that going forward. Um, Terry, how do you feel when one of your claimants being insureds, right off the bat, admits full liability? Right. What do you mean? So, what do you mean with regards so to that? It, it's 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 my fault. It's all my fault. I take full responsibility. I shouldn't have done that. Um, 
well, that, I red mean, that, yeah, a red flag, but it can also be just nerves, right? They, they've never had a claim before. They're just nervous. Um, again, definitely a red flag, but, yep. uh, and again, you, again, I, I, I look to qualify, then clarify, then verify, and then maybe present it to them as, Hey, do, you know, knowing all of this, do you still feel you're at fault or, or why right. do you feel you're at fault? Right? Like those are the kind of things that right. I, I look to do again. Um, not making assumptions and that's the part of investigating, right? Is not making pre-assumed exactly. assumptions, right? Like go in with open and clear eyes and stuff. And I know you do that Desmond and, and, and Xperia does that as well. Um, but I, I mean, just from an adjuster's perspective and has been an adjuster for like 25 years now in the insurance side. Um, yeah, I've learned a lot. I, and I mean, I've met a lot of different people in the industry and uh, on both sides. And sometimes people just say things because they think that's what the insurance company wants to hear, not not knowing the implications of it as well, right? So things right, said, right. you know, um, and again, nervous young people um, just thinking, hey, if oh, I right. say this, this will just go away quickly. Well, yep. not knowing that it actually may draw more questions, right? So, yep. Yeah. And again, you see, you justified that, right? So, uh, red flag, you know, and, and you hit the nail right on the head there. You know, young, inexperienced, nervous, um, you know, people, you know, like my wife um, would be the first one to say it's all my fault. Uh, she, you know, backing out of a driveway about four years ago, uh, you know, someone had parked across the other side of the road. It was, it was late at night. She was dropping a friend off and then just slightly when she was backing up, you know, backed up into the vehicle, left a long note. Sorry, I did this, right? Um, whereas, but easily explainable, you know, in most cases, but like you said, when you go in and you say, are you sure you want to now stick with us? Absolutely. hundred percent my fault, Terry. Um, no one else to blame here except me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he has a red flag here, right? Um, when they're doing that, but, and, and not only that over the last, I would say what, 15, 20 years now. Um, you hear it all the time, and I've heard it even with friends not in the industry. Never admit full liability, right? It just makes things difficult for the whole claims process down the line. Um, so even when you, with mostly Terry, when people know it's they're at fault for a certain uh, you know, vehicular accident or a collision, they still have been taught now over the years. You know, even though I know it's my fault and that'll come out, I'm not going to admit it straight out. Um, at the scene to the next driver. You well, yeah, most people don't want to admit they're at fault anyway. So that's an unusual comment yeah. right off the bat that you want to clarify yeah. is because nobody wants yeah. to take responsibility for anything most days, right? So to hear, <laughs> right? That's correct. Right? So to yeah. hear that, it, it does quite, you know, what I refer to as raises more questions, right, that need to be answered. So when you right. hear that, to me, that just goes, uh, again, let's clarify, verify, and then, you know, put in the right box. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, these are all really interesting things when we're talking about, you know, um, investigations, right? And so how long does an average investigation take? Or am I just, and, and again, I'm just asking it for the general public. I mean, it, I guess yeah, it depends yeah. on the complexity of the, the case or what right, what's coming right. to you? Yeah. So we, we, I mean, we try, you know, you've probably watched some of these, you know, police stories, the golden hour. I mean, pretty much the quicker you can get to these things, the better. For instance, I talked about the broken glass, you know, you, 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 you want to get out there before it's cleaned up. 
Um, you know, you want to get out to take some photos of the vehicle before there's a rainstorm or a thunderstorm that now floods the vehicle with water and, and starts rusting certain parts of the vehicle that are exposed now. So you want to move quickly and, 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 and start as quickly as possible where you can. Um, so the, the average investigation, again, you know, you hit the nail on the head there. You know, there's certain complexities. You know, is, is the claimant playing hide-and-seek with you? Um, you know, we've really, you know, in, in some severe, and, and remember, by the time it comes to us, Terry, there's already the red flags. Most of, like, you know, adjusters, you know, there's certain ways to manage uh, their claims. Uh, and by all means, you, you know this, you don't get a claim and say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to investigate this. So by the time it comes to us, there's already, you know, so most of the investigations we do, there's enough red flags that, you know, 90% of the time, you know, we, we find that there's fraud um, and we, we get the evidence of that fraud. So that's what we try and do for you in the investigation. So we try and move as quickly as possible. But um, I, 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 I've gone out in a situation, um, we, we got it, uh, you know, in the afternoon, the investigation with all the facts from the adjuster. I made the appointment that afternoon to go out the next day. I met the claimant the next day. I had all these questions. I went over his, um, his claim and what he'd already given uh, to the insurance company and spoken to the adjuster with, with what red flags they had already seen, which is why it came to us. And then I went out there and I armed myself before I went out. I make sure that I, that, that I want all the questions answered um, are written down so that I don't forget them. Um, and just remember, as I'm asking these questions, it leads to other questions, because like I said to you, it's like a house of cards. You know, you lie about one thing and now you have to build another lie to support the previous lie. And eventually, when you've, <laughs> you've built so many different lies, Terry, that, that the cards come tumbling down. You've got to be really, really good uh, at deception and lying to keep it going. So in this particular case, I went out the next day, I had all these questions. It was a vehicle theft out at the Nepean Sportsplex, which was, uh, so the Nepean Sportsplex is a big, there's a hockey arena there, there's squash courts. Uh, there's tennis courts, and behind there's a walking trail. And this you know, this gentleman went for a walk and came back, and the vehicle was stolen. Um, and as I started asking these difficult questions, for instance, um, as an example, I asked him when he got back and he saw the vehicle was gone. Well, what did you do? Oh, I called my wife. Oh, okay, you didn't call the police. You know, where did you call you? Oh, I called her from my cell phone. Oh, great. Um, can I, you know, we'd thank you for that. We'd like to see cell phone records just to verify what time so we can really pinpoint what time because he, he couldn't pinpoint the time uh, when he got back from his walk 100%. I said, well, that's perfect. We'll get the phone records when you find your wife. And uh, um, actually, I don't think I called my wife on the cell. This is a real story I'm telling you now. Um, I, I don't think, I, it wasn't a cell phone. I actually went into the sportsplex and I made the phone call there. Now, I'm a squash player, and I played squash at that particular sports deck. So now I know a little bit about the insides. And so I start asking the questions. Which phone did you use? There's multi-levels. Oh, no, I was there. Long story, at the end of it, he admitted, he, he, halfway through this interview, he just stopped and said, look, this vehicle's not even worth it. Why are you asking me these questions? Let's just leave it. The vehicle's only worth $4,500. I don't want to proceed with this. I'm going to just leave it. And that's kind of how it ended, right there and then. He didn't want to cooperate any further. <laughs> withdrew his claim, and that's a real, real documented investigation that took place here. So, again, when he realized that lie after lie was building and then crumbling, he had to give it up, and rather than admit, hey, this was a fraudulent claim, I think he said, look, you know, it's not worth it. It's not worth my time. Um, let's just cancel the whole claim, and that's kind of where that ended. So, you know, it can be as quickly as two days, um, or it can, you know, like I said, I've really struggled to get hold of uh, 
claimants in, cer- in certain, they, they don't want to meet with you, they've got excuses, then they're on vacation, then when they get back, they have to work. Um, so, you know, it can, but let's say he does meet with you, um, but then there's a lot of things to verify. Um, you know, we have to find documentation or get receipts from all these different uh, items that were stolen from the vehicle uh, or were installed in the vehicle, um, you know, it can, it can take anywhere. But we try, you know, typically a typical investigation, I can tell you um, from the time it comes to us, the time we give our justice the report, uh, usually is two to three weeks for an investigation. Now, again, that can vary, but we're looking on average two to three weeks for this type of investigation, Terry. Great. Well, how do people get in touch with you? Desmond, so, how, uh, how are they going to reach out to you? Yeah, so expera.ca, that's simple as that, xpera.ca. And uh, you go on there and, you know, we have a wonderful platform where you can even uh, submit um, your, you don't even have to even speak to anyone if you don't want to, but if you're, you know, a returning client, they you, you know our numbers, but we're across the country nationally. So when you go on the website, uh, wherever you are, whether you're, you're out in the Maritimes or you're out uh, west, uh, you simply go into our website and you can, by a couple of clicks, you can get right to the division, the department um, that you're looking at. With, so if, you wanna, if, if you're more comfortable with a telephone call, the numbers are there. If you want to submit an assignment through our very secure portal, you can do it there um, by email. But expera.ca is the best way to get hold of us, Terry. And for people that don't know, you guys basically man that email address slash website 24-7. So if you have an emergency on the weekend, you can reach somebody. 24-7, and it goes to most of the senior uh, people in our company. So it never gets lost. So, you know, our VPs, our directors like myself, our regional managers, um, we get copied on those. And right away we can tell. Uh, so even if the regional manager for Quebec is on vacation that week, um, I'm in Ottawa, um, I'll know that. Um, and if we don't see a response, uh, to that email very quickly, we jump in there. And uh, so if you send an email specifically to our Quebec uh, regional manager, for instance, um, I'll, I'll either know that he's on vacation or the VP will know he's on vacation. Um, and if we don't know and there's no response within a certain amount of time, one of us will jump in there. So you can fill the gap. Exactly, exactly. All right, well, Desmond, I've learned a lot. I'm sure everybody else has learned a lot today. I, I want to have you back on. I'd like to have you on pretty regularly, actually, because I think there's a lot to be learned and, uh, you know, lots of questions out there with regards to investigations. Maybe we can talk about, uh, next time we can talk about some commercial losses as well, because, I mean, there's there's lots of commercial properties out there and maybe even some COVID claims um, now as yeah. things are kind of progressing along. I mean, exactly. Um, the, exactly. lots of things are changing and how we do things. And I mean, I've, I've talked to other people in your office about os- open source investigation and I've talked about Exifis, or I don't even know how to pronounce it. The Xperia forensic investigation services, which is really your, your photographs and your video enhancement right, um, right. with Jeffrey and stuff. But I, I, I want to talk to you about, you know, boots on the ground, actual investigation. I think that, uh, right. I mean, I don't want. I don't think people want to lose that, and I don't think we should lose that. I, I mean, as much as technology's there, uh, I think if you're not going to the scene and not looking at stuff, you're missing key information. Exactly, and 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 you again. I like using this term, but you hit the nail on the head a bit earlier when you talked about COVID and and, and different things. And so, someone asked me the other day that um, you know because of you know so many people losing their jobs. Um, and the economic downturn, it, all of a sudden, has crime increased, Desmond? And 
so I, I wanted to make a disclaimer. I said to this person, I said, listen, again, going back to my policing days, um, something like COVID comes along or there's, an, there's just an economic downturn like we had in 2008, doesn't turn people like you and me necessarily into criminals, Terry, your average person. What it, what it does is two things. Number one, you, you, the, opportun the opportunistic people take, take, will take advantage with this opportunity. But what the criminals, the career criminals we talked about now with COVID, for instance, they see an opportunity. They divert. So they're already involved in criminal activities and criminal uh, aspirations. And all of a sudden, COVID comes along and they slightly divert. Okay, well, here's a new opportunity for us people. Um, let's take a look at this now. So it's the same career cr criminals, organized crime, taking advantage of that. Just to clarify that for you as well. So yes, is it more prevalent? Is it going to? Yes, they they'll focus their attention on COVID, and we'll see we'll be seeing more and more um, fraud uh, and insurance is, is and that's a discussion for another day as well. Why is insurance uh, seen as such a, a ripe target for fraud? A whole discussion for another time. But yeah, that's something um, that we're going to be seeing. I think uh, with COVID now. Uh, with uh, organized crime and criminals take, wanting to take advantage of this. So it's just organized crime pivoting. They're just doing it a different way. Exactly, exactly. Right? You know, because just, people are dead. Yeah, and they're finding yep. they're finding cracks or, you know, because it COVID is so new and everybody's trying to catch up with technology, the career criminal always seems to be one step ahead or just, you know, they're, they're waiting for the next great opportunity and this just happened to be it, right? Right. Exactly, exactly. They see the gap and they're going to fill that gap. They're going to change it. They have to change their tactics because as they have, you know, you, you've got these, you've got these tax uh, scams going on, right? And so when that gets uh, flooded and everyone now knows there's a tax scam going on, they need to change their tactics. They need to divert to something different. And, and so we have to be vigilant all the time, Terry. Yeah, no, I agree, 100%. Well, Desmond, thank you very much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. I always appreciate talking to you. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again in the future, the near future, hopefully, and seeing you in person. That would be great as well. And uh, again, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me, and I can't wait. Thank you very much, Jerry. Once again, uh, everyone, thanks for listening to today's episode of the Podcast Collection with Desmond from Xperia. He's a great, knowledgeable guy. I love chatting with him and just kind of chewing things with him and kind of getting to understand what's in his head. He's so much information. So I look forward to speaking with him again next month about fire investigations. So stay tuned for that one as well.